Welcome to the Thrive Church Podcast. Listen anytime you miss a service or want to hear a message again from our Sunday worship services and select special services. Lead Pastor Brian Bauer, as well as guest speakers, will bring messages that will help you encounter God, love people. Join us for virtual service on Facebook Live at Encounter Thrive. Or for those comfortable, we'd love to have you for our in-person services Sundays at 10. To learn about us, what we believe, how to connect, how to give, or how to find us, visit the all-new EncounterThrive.com. And now, here is our message. Good morning. <laughs> How are you today? Hopefully, not, it's nice, right? It's enjoying the weather? Yeah, I dig it. So, uh, this is our space for the next few months, and then, uh, and then we will find, uh, hopefully, something a little more permanent in the fall. Blessing, though, first, I, I know my wife said it, but the brag on the team that helped set up this morning, you guys are just unbelievable. So... Not just this building. We had to load in everything this morning, and uh, and it wasn't easy. But uh, there's an extra blessing. We don't have to. None of this has to get torn down today. Just our sound booth, welcome stuff, check kids check in, and that is it. So, which is huge for us. If you know anything about our setup and teardown, especially what we're looking toward. So. I'm really, really glad about that. Uh, today's our last day of Shuffle Playlist. And today is kind of a funny message that I felt like God wanted me to share. is on peace. And I remember this morning, as, uh, as I'm on my hands and knees in the kids' building, putting up these foam things so the kids are not on cement, all through the building, slamming them, and I'm, I'm dripping sweat, and uh, I know it doesn't look it, but I sweat quite a bit, and and uh, they were like, what have you been doing, running outside with all your clothes on, like, peeled an orange, so, um, so I'm putting all that down, and, and, and I'm thinking, this is crazy, and I, somewhere in the midst of this morning, um, somebody said something like, yeah, I don't think we're going to get all this done, and I, I just like, no, we'll get it done, we'll get it done, but when we, we've been doing this a while now. This is not new for us. If you've only been coming since the moose, you, you think this is new. This isn't new. We've done this many, many times. We've had many Sundays where it's around 9 o'clock and the trailer got there. And, uh, and not until then. And, and we made it work. And, and God still was there. Uh, maybe nobody else, but God was. And that was important. So, But in those moments, what do you do? You, you've got to... You've got to lean into the peace of the Lord and then just move forward. You can't stop and think, what if this and what if that? Because all that does is, number one, it stops the progress, but two, it takes my peace away. And that becomes like a cycle, doesn't it? When my peace is taken away, I can't make any progress. That, and that's what happens, right? How many of us, and that's what fear does. The opposite of, the opposite of fear isn't courage. The opposite of fear is peace. And, and, and don't get me wrong, courage stands against fear, but peace can move through it and learns to live without fear. Peace is a knowledge that God is God. And we're going to talk about that today. There's a, there's, a story, there's a story of this king, and this king sends out to his, uh, to his people back in, back in more medieval times, and he announced, he said he, he wanted a piece of art, and he wanted to see from a prize artist this painting that would be the best painting depicting peace in his land. 
So many great painters sent the king several of their best pieces. Uh, and one of the pictures among the various masterpieces was of a calm lake, perfectly mirroring, peacefully towered snow-capped mountains. Overhead was a blue sky and beautiful clouds. The picture was perfect. Most of the people who viewed the pictures of peace from that artist, they thought that was the best of them all. But when the king announces the winner, everybody's shocked. The picture which won the prize had mountains, but they were rugged and they were bare. The sky looked angry and as if a storm was coming on. And it didn't look peaceful at all. It almost looked like the artist had made the mistake turning it in. But if you looked closely at the painting, you could see a tiny bush growing in the cracks of the rock. And there a mother bird built her nest and protected her young ones. The king said, this was the picture of peace to me. In the midst of storm, in the midst of trouble, in the midst of trial, in the midst of anger, there was, there was a mom hidden in the crevice of the rock protecting her family. They were safe. Peace is not the absence of trial and trouble. Peace is the wholeness of God and the knowledge of his sovereignty in the midst of all of it. It's the ability to rest when everything else is a storm. It's pretty difficult. It's a place to maintain. It's a place to get to. But how do we get there? How do we have peace like that? How many of us in the last year and a half, peace has been very difficult to find? So I am somebody, I, I like very much to keep up on culture and current events and what's happening and, and reading about things. And so, and I read from a lot of different sources, many, not one or two. I read from many different sources. And, 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 and here's the thing, I can find myself consuming it so much. The problem is, it, if we're not careful, then it starts to consume us. And then, slowly, my peace begins to be robbed away, right? And what we need to understand is peace is not a feeling. This morning, any on the tech team just feel just so much peace? Just, just so, today was easy. Just so smooth, right? Well, it wasn't the fact that nobody cussed anybody else out. That's great. Nobody pulled a weapon on somebody else. It was wonderful, Right? But beyond that, it was, it, was, it was one of those days. And the truth is, going in, I knew it would be. I knew it's never good when your very first setup in a new location has to be the morning of. That's always challenging. Always. And that's okay. But the best part is we have an amazing church. We have an experienced team. And we have mature people of God who say, we're going to get it done. One way or another. We're going to figure it out. Yeah. And here we are again in this time and our, like, some people are like, are you taking the vaccine? Or are you not? What are they going to do with these passports? What are they not going to do? Are they going to bring back mandates? Or are they going to get rid of more mandates? Is it going to change? What's going to happen? Midterm elections are coming up. Like, man, does it ever end? And here's the, you know what? It doesn't. It doesn't end. 
How many of you had wrestling, you, can, you don't have to raise your hand, but wrestle with anxiety before COVID? <laughs> right? After it, it's just like it's all, all bets are off. Forget it. <laughs> Forget it, right? Some of you had babies in the middle of COVID. Man, God bless you. I, I don't know how you did it. Some of you had babies and you decided to spend some time in the hospital, right? Some of you did that too. Like, how'd you do it? And I'll tell you what, I watched, I watched a lot of those people, and it doesn't mean they were always felt peace, but the peace of God carried them. Holds us together. Paul, and I'm actually going to do a series on Colossians coming up soon. This, this verse is from Colossians. Now, Colossians is a young, this is kind of cool, it's a young passionate church in a small river town. Take a second, think about it. Should process. Canal, it's it, it, a river. It's pretty close. It's pretty, all right, moving in. So Paul's writing this letter to them, and he's giving them instruction of what the Christian life looks like. That's a lot of what Paul's letters are to different ones. To Romans, it was like, all right, you need to understand the whole thing, and then it becomes the doctrine of grace. Like, you guys don't get grace, you need to get it. Okay, to Corinthians, it was like, stop living like garbage because you follow Jesus now. You can't do both anymore. And Colossians, it's an encouragement of like, this is what the Christian life looks like. And here's the thing, pretty sure he wrote this from prison, right? This is a prison epistle. And he writes, just, and we're just going to talk about this one verse today, Colossians 3.15. And let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts. For as members of one body, you are called to live in peace. And then he tags this on, and always be thankful. Can I be honest this morning? There were moments I was like, I am not thankful. <laughs> I am tired of being in places with beer signs on the wall. <laughs> now, if you're a beer drinker, you're like, this, I just feel at home in church. <laughs> Great. We should change up communion. <laughs> Maybe that's where you're, and that's fine. That's fine. I'm glad you feel at home. Okay? I would feel more at home if Starbucks had a large room <laughs> that we could meet in. That I would feel at home there. Um, uh, so I didn't have, but at the same time, you got to stop and realize, but that's not what the kingdom is. Do you, you know, every church that Paul is writing to, that he writes to in all of his epistles and his books that he writes, none of them are what we would call in American terms a mega church, not one. Because it, it isn't about size or location. It's about God moving and being at the center of it. But we have to keep coming back to that to have peace reign in our hearts. So let's just kind of go through that scripture. The peace of God that reigns. So peace from Christ. That's first and foremost, the thing we need to know is that's salvation. Peace from Christ is salvation. If you don't know Jesus, you cannot know peace. If you don't walk with Jesus, you're never going to have peace. Period. He is it. He is the answer to having peace in your life. You're like, once I figure it out, you'll never have it figured out. You will always need Jesus. He is the period to the question mark of where do I find peace in my life? 
just him, knowing him. This morning, uh, uh, when, when worship started, I went off and I spent a few minutes with Jesus. And it's not that my peace left me, but I felt that peace just come upon me like I'm here. God is here. He's there in that moment. But without Jesus, I, could, I can't find that place. Do you realize there's whole world religions dedicated to that? Right? This is what Buddhism does. This is what Hinduism does. It's all about finding a center, a peace. And without Jesus, you're going to always be looking. They spend lifetimes. I mean, there are Buddhist monks who, who, spend, who spend their entire lives like that bird huddled in a cave trying to concentrate and meditate on nothingness to ascend to some kind of a higher plane that they never find. Because it is only found in Christ. It isn't found within. It's not even found from without. It's found from him. You want peace, you have to have Jesus. You have to know him. You have to accept him in your heart and say, you're the Lord and there's nobody else. You're my peace. You make peace between man and God. See, the wrestling and the desire for peace comes from the desire to be at peace with God. That's where it's coming from. And the only one who makes that happen is Jesus. Because he dies for our sins and says, hey, I'm going to make this thing right. But not only that, then he begins to permeate and come into every area of our lives. And then we realize everything's going to be okay. Everything will now be okay. So many are upset right now. Why? The unbeliever, it's because they don't have Jesus. For the believer right now, they're upset because they forgot who they know. How many of us, after spending 30 minutes on our phone or on TV, don't feel peace? Anyone? You raise your hands. The rest of you are liars, <laughs> right? Or you're like, I'm not on my phone very much. Good for you. <laughs> you think you're better than me. No, uh, I'm just kidding, right? We all do that. It, it's just natural. Matter of fact, I, I'm starting to be convinced, truly, I don't, I don't think we were made for these. I think these are designed to affect our brains in ways that we can't fully handle. It's, right? How many people have seen a lot of information in, in, on their phone or somebody who has a lot of information but really no wisdom? Anyone? Yeah? Don't point. Don't make a post right now. Okay? Don't tag them. Right? I know who it is. Dan. Right? That's, we, we, we can do that. But here's the thing. Because we're not designed for it. And it robs us of our peace. It starts giving us more and more information. But information without the transformation of Jesus, all it is is dangerous to our system. We have to know Jesus. We got to know him. I want to be somebody who knows him, who knows the peace of Christ. And then, and, then, and then it says, and then let it rule and reign. Reign in your hearts, ruling in your hearts. What does that mean? That the peace of Christ doesn't just come into me, it starts reigning over my life. 
The truth is, even among Christians, I've probably only known a few people I thought really lived that well. And they just have peace. Don't get me wrong. I'm not talking about people who don't get passionate or worked up or ever upset. But they, they just live in a sense of, no, God's in control. And you know what that is? That's sovereignty. What is sovereignty? It is the scriptural idea. It is a doctrinal truth. It is a thing we don't move on. It's a closed-handed issue that God is in control of all things. Now, here's the problem. The unbeliever or the new believer or the, or the deconstructing believer begins to think, well, then why do bad things happen if God is sovereign? Look, control doesn't mean causality. You need to differentiate that. Okay? I can drive my car, and if a tire blows out, that doesn't mean I cause the tire to blow out. We live in a fallen, broken world. Bad things are going to happen. If we're really honest, and more than that, if we're humble, we'll realize bad things happen because we're broken, not because God is. Bad things happen because we lie, cheat, steal, commit adultery, you know, think horrible thoughts, do horrible, because we do, not because God doesn't do something, it's because we do things. It's a broken world. So I'm not going to spend a lot more time on that, but that let it rule in your hearts sovereignty, that this would take place in us on a regular, on a regular basis, that we would understand how much God is in control. And one of the things we've done wrong, especially for those of us who are on the more Arminian side, and if you're like, I don't know what that means, relax, don't worry. Okay, just, you'll, you'll be back, I'll be back to you in a second. But for those of us who are on the more Arminian or charismatic side of the aisle or Pentecostal, the problem was we've inoculated God's sovereignty with our idea of free will. We've messed, now don't get me wrong, I believe in a level of free will. I believe in a both and. I believe God is sovereign and we have a level of free will. I believe he can interject himself on our free will anytime he wants. Why? Because he's God. I don't believe Bruce Almighty is scripture. So when he says, I don't mess with free will, I don't believe that. (laughs) I don't see that in scripture. It's a good movie. I like it. It's not true. (laughs) It's a movie. Okay? There's some truth in that. There's some stuff God says, I'm going to let you make a decision. And other times, aren't we glad for the goodness of God's sovereignty where he's like, you know what, I'm not going to let you make that decision. Anybody glad for that? Yeah, there were some women who weren't my wife before. Thank God for sovereignty. And he was like, no, no, you're not doing that. The other day, this is pretty funny. I got to share the story with my kids. I, don't be mad. Um, we, were playing a, we were playing a game, and it's this game where you got to, like, write down names and stuff. And, uh, and now my kids, my kids, to an extent, it, they've been homeschooled. They're very aware of what's going on. But here and there, cultural things will pop up that they don't know. And one of the kids writes down, or maybe it was on the card, and it was, like, the word groupie. And, like, do you have groupies? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mom wrote it down? Yeah, that sounds right. Well, she, no, it's, it's okay. She's mine. And so, <laughs> I'm kidding. 
but seriously. Anyway, so so she writes it down, and Nathan's like, my son Nathan does not know what that word means. Does not. And uh, and she didn't either. Okay. So so Nathan's like, what is that? I don't know what that means. He grabs his phone, and Colin just goes, don't look it up. <laughs> and that was it. And I, I died laughing on that one. That was It was just a great moment. But it was a moment of like, that's like God's sovereignty. It was like, I should look that up. And God's like, no, no, you shouldn't. <laughs> Yeah, that's that's what God's sovereignty does in our lives sometimes to maintain our peace. He's like, nah, let's not. You know, where God just steps in. We have messed up the idea of sovereignty. You want to believe, you want to live in peace all the time, we need to remind ourselves of scriptures of sovereignty. Romans 8.28, we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God according to his purposes. Matthew 10.29, What is the price of two sparrows? One copper coin, but not a single sparrow can fall to the ground without your father knowing it. And the very hairs on your head are numbered. So don't be afraid. You're more valuable to God than a whole flock of sparrows. Colossians 1, for him, through him, God created everything in the heavenly realms and on earth. He made the things we can see and the things we can't, such as thrones, kingdoms, rulers, authorities in the unseen world. Everything was created through him and for him. He existed before anything else, and he holds all creation together. Isaiah 45, verse 7 through 9. I create the light and make the darkness. I send good times and bad times. I, the Lord, am the one who does these things. Open up, O heavens, and pour out your righteousness. Let the earth open wide so salvation and righteousness can sprout up together. I, the Lord, created them. What sorrow awaits those who argue with their creator? Does a clay pot argue with its maker? Does the clay dispute with the one who shapes it, saying, stop it, you're doing it wrong? Does the pot explain how clumsy can you be? How terrible it would be if a newborn baby said to his father, why was I born? Or if it said to its mother, why did you make me this way? This is what the Lord says, the Holy One of Israel and your creator. Do you question what I do for my children? Do you give me orders about the work of my hands? I am the one who made the earth and created people to live in it. With my hands, I stretch out the heavens. All the stars are at my command. Job 42. The Job replied to the Lord, I know that you can do anything and no one can stop you. Our peace is often robbed. God stops ruling in our hearts. The peace of God stops ruling because we forget who he is. He is in control. If you got a death sentence, you can listen to them or you can listen to the Lord. Now look, the Lord orders our days. If he takes you tomorrow, can you trust him? If they tell you you're going to die tomorrow, could you live another hundred years? Yep. Because only one is in control. One. You can't mess up his sovereignty. Don't get me wrong. Again, I believe in a level of free will. If you decide to drive drunk over and over, that will probably catch up with you. But God is sovereign. He is in control. Right? Psalm 91. How many of us quote this to ourselves? Those who live in the shelter will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. This I declare, he is my refuge, my place of safety. 
my God in whom I trust. He'll guard his angels over you. How many of us live in that level of understanding of the sovereignty of God? He is in control. We have done ourselves a disservice by taking back control from God and saying, I'm the one in control. Well, I would make more if I just did this. I would do better if we just did that. And don't get me wrong. I'm, I'm all for trying to improve and grow and letting God work in our lives and convict us. But how much do we say, I trust you. You're good. And where I'm at, and we're going to get into it in a minute, but he ends with and being thankful. There's a level of being content. and Saying, this is what you've apportioned me, and I trust you with it. We're so easily robbed of our peace by ungratefulness. I'll get there in a minute. I'm getting ahead of myself. Members of one body, which means the spirit over the secular. We live more spiritual than we do in the natural. I'm trying to think of how I want to say this. We belong to Jesus and his church more than we belong to anything else. I have family I haven't seen in over a year. And I understand I don't, I'm not mad at them. And while it hurts, it would hurt way more if I didn't see this family at all. Because this is my family in the kingdom. Now, don't get me wrong, some people, they can't, you know, they need to stream, they need to watch, from, and that's okay too. There's times, especially in corona times, if you're vulnerable, you got to stay away. I get it. I understand. But I belong here more than I belong with anybody else. I said it last week, right? Here, I can share hearts with you. I can do life with you. You can come alongside me and vice versa. We are... What, one of the things that brings peace in life is realizing I belong to the kingdom. When I was a kid, I was rejected, bullied, not wanted. You know where I felt home and loved? Church. Now, if you're like, I don't, I don't have that, come and talk to one of us because you're missing it. You're missing out. And we, find, we want you to feel that, know that in your soul. Here, you are wanted. You are needed. You are loved and you have a place. If you don't feel at peace at church, either you're not right with God or you're not right with somebody else. But if you're right with God and other people, man, I feel at peace at church. Well, after 9 o'clock today. But I feel at peace at church, right? Like you should. That's where it feels like home. More than anything else, you should feel peace in the body of Christ. So, and we live that way. And my home is not this world. If you're like, man, nothing's going right, and, and this is happening, and my plans aren't working out, and, and man, I don't know, I can't sell my house right now, or my household sold too fast, or whatever. Again, none of this is our home. 
We have to become believers who are thinking about eternity again. We have to think about forever as our home. The guy who wrote this, Paul, he longed to be with Jesus. He couldn't wait to be with the master. And, you know, not in a crazy sense where he's going to take his life or anything, but just in like, as soon as the Lord takes me, I'm ready to go. Don't get me wrong. I, I, w- death should bring peace to our soul. Not, not the dying part, <laughs> but the going home. I get scared sometimes. You know why? Not because of dying. Not because of my eternity. Because I, I, I worry about my wife and my kids. And yet, who's more in charge? Me or him? And I'm gonna, I'm gonna have to say, God, I trust you with them, with their lives, if you ever take me home before I planned on it. And hopefully I can also know and I can trust that the body of God will be like, hey, we got you. And I hope everybody else in this church could say the same thing. And I've seen that. I've seen that over and over. When there's been a need in this church, there's been a, somebody without furniture, there's a, somebody else in the church is like, hey, we got you. That's not because you're in a club. That's because you're in the body. Have you ever had lack? If you've had lack in this house, then my, my question would be, have you, have you presented the need? And if you haven't presented it, man, let us come around you. Maybe it's just prayer, but you're like, well, yeah, I, I've been living without, you know, a bed for a while. Say something. Because you don't have to. There's more than enough generous people of God in this church to say, we got you. That's being the body. Prayer becomes an antidote to worry. It becomes turning it around. We begin to live more spiritual to maintain our peace. The more spiritual you live, the more peaceful you're going to be. The more, let me say it another way. The more by the spirit of God that you live, the more at peace you're going to be. Some people are like, oh, they're so crazy spiritual. Look, look, I I know there's some people who are like, oh, they're spiritual weird. But I found most of the people who are spiritual weird, but they're always all worked up. It's the devil. It's this. It's that. And, and, but they're not at peace. You know what I'm saying? They claim to be spiritual, but they're always kind of weird and worried. Right? Do you know what I'm talking about? Don't point. Right? It's like, I found seven demons manifested in that person, and I had to call them out by name. I don't think they're delivered yet. No, you're the problem. <laughs> you need to be delivered. But again, they're not living by the Spirit. They're living by works because they're trying to find things they can do to find their peace. Jesus already did it. Does he live in you or he doesn't? If he does, then the Prince of Peace reigns in your heart. Let it. Paul's literally arguing, let this reign in your heart. But we, the truth is, part of us doesn't want to. We are all addicted to drama somewhere. We are, it's just true. 
We're all, we're all like, I, I, I want that to be bad. Somewhere, right? Because somewhere, there's something that we do better, we function better when it's not quite right. And that's our broken nature. How many of us have seen everything going right in our life, but we see how it could be better? That's us. That's something wrong in us. And what that is, is the brokenness, but it's also ungratefulness. And that's the last thing he says, and be thankful. Right before that, he says, you're called to live in peace. If we aren't living in peace, we aren't submitted to God. We have, if we are, don't get me wrong, I'm not saying in a moment, if somebody says, uh, you have 48 hours to live. You know, and in that moment, I'm not going to be like, that's fine. <laughs> you know, I probably would cry, right? I would probably be upset. It's going to take, I'm not, I'm not saying that. I'm not talking about. But as a rule, if you're like, I'm, I'm just a worry wart, that's who I am, not according to the scripture. Your identity has changed. You're a new creation. I'm somebody, I have anxiety. I have PTSD. I just struggle with depression. I'm not saying you don't have those things. I understand what those things are. I've walked them out. But they are not who you are. You are a child of peace. You're meant to live in it. You can be depressed and still be at peace in God. You can walk through anxiety and still have the peace of God rule and reign in your hearts. Because peace, as it says here, is a matter of submission that we are called to it. Like, I, I will obey that God is in control and sovereign. I will submit to that. That you are in charge no matter what happens. My best or worst efforts... There are people in ministry over the years, I'm like, man, do you remember that moment I said that to you, thinking, I changed their life? <laughs> That's really what I'm thinking. It's horrible. I don't do that as much now, but a while ago, like, I remember, like, blah, wisdom. I changed your life. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, like, 10 years later, though, like, I remember that. <laughs> I have no recollection of that at all. Huh. But then the other way goes, like, Pastor Brian, you remember when you said this to me? No. I don't think I ever said those words. No, you did. Then it changed my life. You know what that is? That's the sovereignty of the Spirit of God working, and you've got to trust him with it. There's a lot of days. Anybody here ever feel like you're not good enough? Congratulations, you're not, and neither am I. The book that says you're enough, burn it. No, you're not. And anybody who says they believe in God that says that is a liar. God is enough. And he, he makes us enough by bringing us into him. But you can be at peace if you're like, well, I, I don't know if it was good or not. Be at peace because God's in control. That's not an excuse for laziness. It's not an excuse for anything. But you can be at peace. You can rest that God is in control. 
Peace is an act of obedience. And I, I like this. I think God gave this to me. Peace isn't just an act of obedience. It's an act of holiness. Wickedness worries. Holiness is at peace. Holiness rests. If, if somebody were to overtake our country and we could never have a fair election again, we could be at peace. Because God is God. Doesn't mean we have to like it, but we could be at peace. If they said you can no longer worship publicly, we can be at peace. If they said, you know, mask it or, you know, go to jail, we can be at peace. Because he is in control. We can be submitted to that, and we're called to submit to that. And when, when it's all done, when it's all finished, when we've given it all, when we've given everything we've got, and then he says, and be thankful. A thankful is a servant's heart. Jesus even shares parables about paying workers and like, you, you paid him more than me, but I worked longer. And Jesus says, what is that to you? Right? The, the disciples did that too, right? They argued like, who's going to and who's not? And, and they point to John like, well, what's going to happen to him? And Jesus says, what is that to you? Has anybody ever done that with their kids? They, they have more than one kid and they're like, hey, you gave him that, but you gave me this. Unfair. That's like the word of the day in our house often. That's so unfair. <laughs> Anybody here, right? It was just me and my brother growing up, and we there, and there's two of us, right? And we would still have those. It's so unfair. And I love this quote from from somebody. I I don't know who said it originally, but nothing's been fair since the Garden of Eden. Fairness is gone. It's, 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 it's past. If you're like, we need total equity in this country, I would say no country on earth has ever seen that, nor will ever see it. It's a fallen world. Deal with it. Let's, let's do everything we can to make sure everybody has a fair swing at bat. But beyond that, where your hit lands, we're not in control. What we do need to do is be thankful what God has done, for what he is doing, where he has brought us. We are so we have so much propensity to be like just a little more. If I could just get there, if just this could happen, right? I could say right now, well, if we just had a building, and you know what problems are going to come with that? Roofs break, right? Plumbing bursts. Bills need to be paid. It's just trading problems. I'm aware of that. I don't look at a building as our salvation. Jesus is our salvation. If God tells us, which he is not, but if God tells us, which he has not, but if God tells us, which he hasn't, to ever go, say, I want you to be portable forever, then that's what we'll do. But he hasn't. And we'll be content with it. Contentness and thankfulness are married. And I did not learn it for a long time. 
And I think I've shared this story with you before, so I won't take a long time on it. But the only, I've, I've heard God many times in my, my life. I hear him daily, but the only time I ever heard him audibly, out loud, in my ear, was over thankfulness. I was at a restaurant complaining about it. I was a teenager. I remember I was being a brat. And there was part of me that was telling myself, stop it, stop, stop, stop. And everybody, my parents especially, were saying, stop it, be thankful. Stop it, be thankful. They were buying me free lunch. And I was like, I don't like it. Because it wasn't a place I liked. And I heard out loud in my ear this year, and there is nobody over here. There's nobody over here. The restaurant was empty. The lights were turned off. That's how much I know it was the one. And I heard out loud, the loudest whisper I've ever heard, thankful. I shut up. <laughs> Immediately, it was the voice of God in my ear. And from that, that was like the beginning of God beginning to work out on me. Because I, I, part of it's, I'm, part of it, I could just be a complainer. <laughs> but number two, the other part of it is I'm trying. I want to take the mountain. I want to constantly like, let's do the next thing and the next thing and conquer that and do this and go after that. Which those are not great combinations, being driven and complaining easily. Like those are not. <laughs> so, but that's why I think the Lord spoke that so loudly in my ear that day because I needed to remember, be thankful. For what I've done and for what, if God never, God never did another thing beyond Calvary for us. Is that not enough? Can the peace of God reign in our hearts simply for what Jesus did? And yet, that's not what he does. He daily wants to meet with us, wrap his arms around us, tell you he loves you. At peace, I'm in control, I'm good. Let this rain in your hearts, let it let go. Thank you so much for spending some time with us. We hope this message spoke to you and helped you grow in your knowledge of and love for God. Visit us online anytime at EncounterThrive.com and reach out with questions, prayer requests, or comments. We hope to see you for our in-person services in Lockport, Illinois, Sundays at 10.